for years, I had a love-hate relationship with my business. I loved the product. I loved the customers. I loved kind of having a mission. I loved having goals. I hated the fact that I was always putting out fires. I hated the fact that there was problems. I would have a little bit of cash flow problems. I would get surprised by a tax bill. A love-hate relationship with my business. There were times when I really thought, gosh, I just want to work for somebody else. I want somebody else to handle the bad side of work, and I just want to handle the good side of it. Today, I do not have a love-hate relationship with my business. I have a love-love relationship with my business. I figured out how to install systems and processes that make my business run like a dependable machine, a predictable, dependable machine that I can count on. And at five o'clock, I'm out of my business and I go home to my family and I don't worry about things because I'm not managing chaos anymore. It turns out, as I've talked to thousands of business owners, most of them are exactly where I used to be. They have a love-hate relationship with their business. If you feel that way, then you probably need to professionalize your operation too and install some simple, simple systems and playbooks that allow your business to run in a way that's dependable and predictable and, and isn't going to drive you crazy. If you were looking for a simple plan to grow your business, you just found it. It's in a book called How to Grow Your Small Business, and it's available now on Amazon for pre-order. If you pre-order the book right now, make sure to go to growyoursmallbusiness.com slash podcast. I'm going to give you a 70-minute audio summary. It's an audio summary of the entire book. So even before you get the actual book, you're going to have a 70-minute audio summary that goes over the six parts of a small business that you're going to need to optimize in order for it to grow. So pre-order wherever you buy books and redeem your bonus at growyoursmallbusiness.com slash podcast. If you don't have a plan to grow your business and you need one, go to growyoursmallbusiness.com slash podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast hosted by my friend Amy Porterfield and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. With a focus on online business, including digital courses, list building, social media, content, and webinars, Every episode of Online Marketing Made Easy is designed to get you more results with a whole lot less stress. Here are some great episodes to check out right now. Six fun strategies for a quick cash injection. On this episode, you'll learn how to invest in your business while having the extra cash on hand to make it happen. How to host a live virtual event that will wow your audience. On that episode, you can learn how you can pull off a live virtual event like a pro and why memberships are the future of online. Learn how to determine what kind of membership is best for your business, the recent changes memberships have faced, and what that means for you. If you are needing to break down big ideas and strategies into actionable step-by-step -step processes, listen to Online Marketing Made Easy wherever you get your podcasts. If you've been listening to the Business Made Simple podcast for a while, your business is probably growing. And as your business grows, you need help taking it to the next level. So do you hire a COO? Do you hire a CFO? Who do you need to be your right-hand person that is gonna help take your business to the next level? Well, today I'm talking with Cameron Harold, known to many leadership professionals as the CEO Whisperer. He's also the founder of the COO Alliance and author of the book, Second in Command, Unleash the Power of Your COO. Cameron and I dive deep into what you need to know to bring on a second in command so you can position your business to successfully scale. With that, I wanna welcome you to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. 
This is the only podcast that coaches you through a six-step plan to grow your small business. We do that by helping you build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership. The body is your overhead. The right engine is your marketing. The left engine is your sales. The wings are your products and the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we help a business owner just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Dr. J.J. Peterson, filling in for Donald Miller. Cameron, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. We're excited to have you. Hey, J.J., thanks for having me. appreciate it. When this podcast comes out, your book will be released. It's called The Second in Command, Unleash the Power of Your COO. And I wanted to just start out with, I think there are a lot of people who don't fully know what a COO does or who a COO is. So explain to me, even sharing with me, what is a COO in a company? Yeah, and that's actually why I called the book The Second in Command, because the COO is one title, but there's many different titles that a second in command could have. So it's really the person who would be running the business for the entrepreneur or for the CEO if they were sick for six months. Who would who would be the de facto second in command that you would turn to to run the business for you? Or who is kind of your yin and yang, right? Which is why I even put the yin and yang on the cover of the book. Who is the, is the kind of balance to the CEO? So who's your other half? Um, but it, it could be a director of operations. It could be a VP of operations. It could be a general manager. It could be a, a president or it could be a COO. Or it could even be someone like a CFO who's really the second in command or a chief marketing officer who's the second in command. But it's really who's that one person that the CEO would turn to for the most implicit trust, for the most maybe operational sides of the business that would be running for them and really is their better half. And do, do they end up taking a lot of kind of the day-to-day over from the entrepreneur and the person who founded the business and started the business? Great question. They take over the stuff that the entrepreneur sucks at, and they take <laughs> over the stuff that the entrepreneur you know, doesn't like to do. So in some cases, they take the operational, but in some cases, the CEO might like operations. In some cases, they take over all the marketing. In some cases, the CEO likes marketing. So it's a very unique role So as an example, we've got a couple hundred members in our COO alliance from about 17 different countries. And in some cases, the COOs run finance, some don't, some run IT, some don't. So it really depends on the balance of what the CEO loves to do and what they're really good at as well. I love that because there are so many of our listeners who are business owners and who are entrepreneurs, and they're in the process of scaling their business. So, you know, many of them started out just as a one person operation, and they've been able to grow their business to five, 10, 15 employees, and even more. And they're getting to the point of where they need to bring somebody in that can help them scale. And that's exactly why you wrote this book. It's really for those entrepreneurs and for those business owners to say, all right, when do you need to bring in a second command? Who are you looking for? How do you bring in a second command? And then how do you work with them? And you didn't just come to this out of thin air. You actually helped scale multiple businesses, including 1-800-GOT-JUNK. You were the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and were there when it grew from 3 million to 106 million. <laughs> so, and that's just one of the businesses that you helped scale. So the wisdom that you bring to this book really comes from just a very practical place. 
you mentioned kind of the 10, 12, 15 employees. Usually when you're hiring a second in command, it's about the 30 employee mark. Ah. And the reason, so I've noticed that everything changes at the ones and the threes, one employee to three, three employees to 10, 10 to 30, 30 to 100. Okay. When you get to 10 employees, you usually have one manager who's managing a bunch of people for you. So you kind of have one direct report. When you have 30 employees, you probably have your first management team, four or five people managing a bunch of people, and you're managing the management team. When you get to 100 employees, you've got a leadership team of really solid, seasoned execs. It's in that 30 to 100 stage that you tend to hire the real second in command because you don't have enough time to grow your people. You don't have enough time to recruit other great people. You don't have a lot enough time to do any deep dives into business areas to see what's happening or test your hypotheses. You don't have enough time to work in your areas of unique ability. So that's really when you need the real COO. Prior to that, you need an executive assistant, right? If you don't have an executive assistant, you are one. So you need to hire the EA in the early stage and probably a couple of people that are really great at project management and time management and can do a lot of stuff, but aren't necessarily domain experts. But really that first true second in command, that true COO or VP of operations tends to happen in the 30 to 100. So let's just dive into some questions that I have. These are personal questions I have. You're going to start coaching me here a little bit. So, so I, let's say I'm a business owner and I have about 30 employees. What is one mistake that I would make in looking for a COO, a right-hand person? What's a mistake I should avoid? Right away, wanting to go hire somebody who was a COO somewhere else and saying, can you, can you be mine? <laughs> yes. It, okay. it amazes me. I've had so many people come to me and say, would you be my COO? I'm like, you don't know anything about my actual skills. You don't really know my behavioral traits. I have no idea what your company core values are or who you are. I have no idea if we're going to be a fit. That's kind of like going on one blind date and saying, will you marry me? You just don't know enough information about the person to say that. So the second thing is, is the CEO or the entrepreneur not thinking enough about themselves and about what they're good at and what they suck at, about what feeds them with energy and what drains them of energy, of what buckets they want somebody else to run for them. And then finding somebody who's really good at those areas and doesn't want to manage the areas the CEO wants to. So it's almost that self-examination that you have to start with before just going out and hiring, oh, you were a COO, great, be mine. I think that's so huge. And I know that I've watched multiple companies make that same exact mistake mm -hmm. because it's like, well, I need somebody who is a good, you know, what say factory floor manager, essentially, like somebody who comes in and works at the details and does the day to day. And yet the business owner wants to be involved in the day to day. And really what they don't want to be involved with is some of the marketing and some of that other side of things. So they hire somebody who's doing the day to day. And the reality is the entrepreneur wants to do the day to day and they end up conflicting with each other and the person is gone within three months. So just because someone played the role before, you need to know the kind of company they were in. You also need to know the stage of growth they were at. I was a fantastic COO for 1-800-GOT-JUNK from 2 million to 106 million. Their current COO, Eric, has been there for about 10 years now, has been a fantastic COO. They actually went down to 70 million when they replaced me with the former president of Starbucks. Company dropped from 106 million down to 70. Eric came in at about 70 and has grown it to 450 million. But Eric was a fantastic COO from 70 to 100 to 450 million. He would have been horrible in the first six years when I was there because he didn't have the skills to do what needed to be done in that era. 
just like I would have been horrible at his. So even though we were both COOs for the same company, there's a time period that we were good for, right? I needed to understand franchising, how to start a franchise company from scratch, how to do the marketing budgets, marketing collateral, marketing calendars, hire the PR team, hire the coaching team, set up a leadership program, set up a franchise program, set up a franchise training program. Well, now all those things are set up. Eric needs to know how to leverage them and deal with the politics and deal with the people, stuff I'm not good at. So again, it's a very kind of unique process that you have to go through in finding that perfect fit. I'm loving this because I think this frees up people a lot when they're looking for this next spot is first starting with that Mm self-examination and going, what are the parts I want to keep doing and I'm good at? And really, in many ways, the company needs me to do as a CEO and entrepreneur If I'm good at this and I want to keep doing it, I need to have some self-examination and identify what are the things I'm good at, what does the company need to do, and who do I need to bring in second in command that can do the other things. So that's self-examination and then identifying somebody who has gifts in those areas and also who has experience in the same kind of stage of business growth that I am in that can help me go from, say, 10 million to 100 million or 5 million to 20. And you know what also happens around that 30 to the 100 stage as well is often when you think you need the COO, what you might really need is a chief marketing officer. Because mm. maybe most of the stuff you need to get off your place is marketing. Well, that's a CMO. Or maybe most of the stuff that has to come off your plate is operational. Well, it could just be like a VP of ops, but you don't want them running the rest of the business. So sometimes the first few key hires are domain experts. And then all of a sudden you end up with a leadership team of people. That tends to be when you need the real COO is someone to come in and manage the rest of the leaders because you either don't have the skill set or the time to grow them and develop them and remove obstacles and build consensus. We all have bad habits and bad habits tend to find their way into your business too. How often do you email clients at who knows what o'clock or spend way too much time and money on legacy software that was cutting edge when dial-up was still a thing? Finally, break those bad habits with HubSpot's all-in-one connected CRM platform. It makes it so easy to connect your team's data and systems so you can connect with your customers. Best of all, it's free to get started. Right now, you can get 20% off eligible plans by going to HubSpot.com slash business made simple. If you need a CRM, if you need to do this, Go to HubSpot.com slash business made simple. Let HubSpot help you break out of your bad business habits so your business is positioned to grow in 2023. Make it happen today. And now back to the show. So you found a right-hand person and you brought them in. What are some things that you would say to CEOs that they can do to really empower that second-in-command to be able to do the job you need them to do? Well, one is to really build a strong relationship with them so that you have a high degree of trust and a high degree of communication so that you can stay on and and, uh, the same page and you can have good debate. The second is to really shine a light on them. The CEO has to really make the COO look good inside of the company, just as the COO has to shine the spotlight on the CEO to make them iconic inside the company. Another thing the CEO has to do is stay out of the COO's way, to not meddle in those areas that you used to run. 
Just because you used to run that area or just because you started the company doesn't mean you get to jump over him and or her and dive into those areas without running it as a proper skip level meeting, right? So I talk about some systems to be able to do some of the domain deep dives, but not really, you know, do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing because you're in somebody else's area. Sometimes when I've been second in command, I actually see myself as the spotlight instead of being in the spotlight, Mm. right? You're the person who really shines a light on other people in the organization, in the roles that I've played anyway, as second in command, is I'm shining the light on other people in the organization. And my job is also to shine the light on the CEO and the president to really elevate them. And I think that if you find yourself in a position where you're competing with your COO or your second in command, that's probably a red flag flag. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's a red flag because there's either some insecurity that you have, or there's something you're not being fulfilled with, or so it, that's time to step aside with the COO and really get back on the same page and build the relationship and build the trust. You know, the leader's core job is to grow people, not to hold them accountable, not to manage them, not to herd cats. The leader has to show up every day focused on growing the skill set and the confidence of their people. If they do that, the company scales. But so often leaders are so myopic and so focused on the business area they're running or the stuff that they're really good at, they forget that their core job is to grow people. So what I like to do is flip the org chart upside down where the CEO and the COO are at the bottom of the org chart, supporting the VPs and supporting the managers and supporting the employees who are supporting the customers, right? It's an upside down pyramid. And if you think about it and visualize it that way, you realize investing in your leaders and investing in their growth and giving them the skills, it's almost irresponsible not to do it. Yeah. And you actually created a course to help people do this called Invest in Your Leaders. And you are giving RBMS listeners a a nice little bonus, a little gift. If anybody listening goes to investinyourleaders.com and uses the promo code BMS10, you're going to get a 10% off of Cameron's Invest in Your Leaders course. So you can go to investinyourleaders.com, use the promo code BMS10, and you can even get more wisdom from Cameron on how to invest in your leaders in your company and uh, really grow your people. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Your book brings together so much wisdom and so much great and practical advice. And so for anybody out there who is at that spot where your company is growing and you're looking to bring in a second in command, or you're really looking at maybe even taking it to the next level and bringing in somebody else, go and get his book. You will not regret it. It is called The Second in Command, Unleash the Power of Your COO. Cameron, thank you so much. This has been a just uh, in some ways, even a healing conversation for me. So I appreciate it. And I know that all of our listeners are going to get a ton out of it. So thank you so much. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it. I love that conversation with Cameron. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing with our audience on how to think about bringing somebody in to be a second in command or a right-hand person to a CEO or entrepreneur. I think that's so important for people because for so many of us, our businesses are babies. And bringing in somebody else to help us grow that and parent that with us is really important. So Cameron, thank you so much for your practical advice and for writing the book. All right. At the end of every episode, Don gives you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. So today's plan of action is this. If your company is growing, 
If you are at the point where you feel like you need to bring on somebody else to help you scale your business, I want you to pause and do a self-examination, just like Cameron talked about. What is it that you really need to take your business to the next level? What are the areas of your business that you love doing and really, let's be honest, your business would suffer if you didn't do them? What are those areas you need to focus on that allow the business to grow? And what are the areas that when you spend your time on them are actually holding your business back from growing? Take that time to do that self-examination. What are the things that you want to do and what are the areas that you need help in? Then I want you to identify what is the next position that you need to hire. Is it an executive assistant? Maybe just some of the details need to be taken off your plate. Or maybe it is a director of a specific area of your business, like a CFO or a director of marketing. Or maybe it really is time to bring in a COO, a right-hand person, a second-in-command that can really help run operations and work beside you to take your business to the next level. Doing those two things are going to be very important. Stop and do a self-examination of what really you need to be focused on and what areas you need to hand off to other people. And then based on that, who do you need to hire? When you put that plan of action into effect, you are going to quickly be able to see what it is that you need to take your business to the next level. So I hope that this conversation has been as powerful for you as it has been for me. Take these steps in order to grow your business and scale to a whole new level. Well, thanks as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so you can fly far and fast. See you next week.